Um, I, I've, uh, I've got a question for you to uh, start the day. And it's a question for both the children and the adults. Why do you come to church? Just, just think about it for a moment. Now, I, well, that's very interesting. I wasn't actually going to pick up on answers, but if you want to tell me your answer, what's your answer? Why do you come to church? Sorry, the what? Ah, that's a good, good answer, to celebrate God. Uh, thank you for that. I was actually going to suggest a lot of you children might think that you come to church because your mums or your dads tell you to come to church. Or perhaps in the case of the Boys' Brigade, your officers tell you to come. And if you're an adult, you might answer, I come to worship God. And The children's answer is a really good answer. The adult answer I've just suggested actually is not specific enough. Because you see, the New Testament tells us that our worship of God is what we do serving God every day of the week. So yeah, we do come to church to worship God, but in the same way as we worship God on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays as well. Now, I know some people say, well, we go to church to meet God. But hang on a moment. I've just asked the children, is God only in church? Is God only in church? No, there's a distinct no. Where's God? Everywhere. Thank you very much indeed. God's everywhere. We don't come to church to meet God. So let's go back again. Why do we come to church? Let's think about that thing we said a moment ago when we were all around the outside of the church. Do you remember the first sentence, first part of the sentence, it's actually one sentence, the first sentence of that declaration? How did we begin? We have come together as the family of God. Thank you. Family of God, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? So... Um, I wonder what the Bible has to say about that. Now, I know someone has Galatians 3.26 out there. That's a part of the Bible. Who's got 3.26? Could you read that for us, please? So, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. If we have faith in Jesus, we are children of God. In other words, God's our Father. We're children, every one of us who has faith in Jesus, and that has some really important implications. Who has got Ephesians 2.19? You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Did you catch that last bit? If we're children of God, we're like brothers and sisters, we're all part, we all have one father, and as a result, we're all members of God's household. In other words, as the Bible puts it elsewhere, we're members of his family. And so when we get together on a Sunday, it's our family gathering. But we're not on our own, are we? Do you remember the next thing we said? We've come together as the family of God. Well, I hope someone remembers what we said. Yeah, right, you've mouthed it. In our Father's presence. Who's got Matthew 18, 20? 
Yeah, yeah, over here. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Thank you. When two or three are gathered in my name, said Jesus, I'm there with them. Well, there are more than two or three gathered here, aren't there? I think there are about 150. God is with us. So when we gather, we're the family of God and God's with us. But what do we do when we come together? We've come together as the family of God in our Father's presence to offer him praise and thanksgiving, we say. Let's go into the Old Testament. Psalm 149, verse 1. Right beside you, Rosie. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Thank you. God wants us to praise him and praise him together. And so that, of course, is what we do. We've already started doing that, haven't we? We've sung some songs, but we also praise him in uh, the prayers we say and sometimes in declarations we make. Okay, so we offer him praise and thanksgiving. The next thing it says is to hear and receive his holy word. Holy word is a slightly pompous way of saying the Bible. So who's got 2 Timothy 3.16? It's down the front. Very appropriately, the church warden has 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Bible is useful for teaching us, correcting us, rebuking us, and all those things. And so what do we do when we meet together? We hear what the Bible says. Normally, we just have one reading. This morning, we've got lots of readings. We hear what it says, and then we're taught about it. Okay, so we hear and receive God's holy words. Next thing, we say to bring before God the needs of the world. Right, we go back one book in the Bible. Who's got 1 Timothy 2.1? Now, somebody's got 1 Timothy 2.1. Oh, very good. I urge, <clears throat> I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Thank you. That's Paul writing to uh, his younger teacher, uh, Timothy. And he said, I urge that you pray for other people. And that, of course, is what we do in our services. And we'll be doing that in a few moments. But we don't ignore ourselves, do we? We we pray for the needs of the world. And the next thing is we say, we ask the forgiveness of our sins. This time we go to the Apostle John, 1 John 1.8. There we go, right over there. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. As Rosie said earlier, if we say we don't do things that are wrong, then we're not telling the truth. And by the way, children, that goes for all the adults as well as children. If anyone says we're doing all the things God requires, they're just kidding themselves. They're not kidding God. 
they're kidding themselves. But if we admit we're wrong, if we say sorry to God, then God will forgive us. And so when we come together, we do collectively, don't we? We say we're, we're sorry, we've done things the wrong. We did that just a few minutes ago in this service. Okay? Final thing. We say that we've come together to seek God's grace that through his son Jesus Christ we may give ourselves to his service. This time it's Romans 12 verse 1 and it's Mandy. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Thank you. First of all, did you notice the use of the word worship there? Worship's about our service of God. But naturally, when we come together, we ask for God's help in doing that. Because we can't serve God on our own, can we? So we we ask for God's help. So there you have it. We come together as the family of God in our Father's presence to offer him praise and thanksgiving, to hear and receive his holy word, to bring before him the needs of the world, to to ask the forgiveness of our sins, and to seek his grace that through his son, Jesus Christ, we may give ourselves to his service. When we come to church, that's what it's all about. Or is it? Is there something more than all those specific things? I'll be back in a few minutes, but in the meantime, we're going to sing again. Let's go back to our question. Why do we come to church? Now, when you were listening a few minutes ago, some of you, probably adults, might have noticed that uh, the list of things we went through uh, wasn't comprehensive. The most obvious thing it left out was communion. And there's a good reason for that, that uh, declarations for use in non-communion services. But more fundamentally, you might have thought, well, just a minute, all the things we mentioned, we can do outside church. Can we give praise and thanksgiving to God outside church? Yes, we can. Can we read the Bible and listen online to sermons outside church? Thank you. Yes, we can. Can we pray for other people outside church? Can we ask God's forgiveness outside church? And can we ask for God's help in serving him? Thank you. You got there before I finished the question, didn't you? Yes, we can do all of those things out of church. So why do we come to church? Let's go back to this fact that we are the family of God. If you're a member of a family, what do you do for one another in the family? You you help one another, don't you? You support one another. You, You do things for one another. And the Bible tells us that as members of God's family, 
we should be doing exactly the same thing. This is uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Jesus died for us so that we may live together with him. Note that bit, that's important. But note the conclusion. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. What should we do for one another as members of God's family? We should encourage one another and we should build one another up. And note that's mutual. I should encourage you, you should encourage me. I should build you up, you should build me up. And here's the key point. So if you're not listening, can you just switch on now? (laughs) Pay attention. The Bible tells us that encouraging one another and building one another up requires that we meet together. This is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. They were then, they are now. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Can we praise and thank God outside services? Yes, we can. But how much better to do it all together? How much more encouraging is that? Can we read the Bible and listen to sermons online away from church? Of course we can. But how much better to come together when we can talk about it, ask questions, talk to the speaker if you want, as some of you doubtless will afterwards. How much better that is. Oh, by the way, our singing can also help that. You might not have thought of that point, but it can. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3. Let the message of Christ, the message we read in the Bible, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Now here's the point. Through sermons? No. Through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, it says. In our songs, we can address one another. We can encourage one another. We can build one another up. So, yeah, we can... Praise God, we can read the Bible, we can pray for other people, we can seek forgiveness, we can seek God's grace to build us up outside church. But how much better to come together and do it together? Did you know that the Apostle Paul, writing in his letter to the Corinthians, says that everything we do when we come together must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything. You can look it up, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, if you doubt what I'm saying. Everything we do must be for the building up of the church. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we should avoid challenge or inconvenient truths. Rather, the contrary. Part of the purpose is we be challenged. In fact, did you notice in that verse from Colossians I read a moment ago, Paul talks about admonishing one another. It's a bit difficult, that, isn't it? But but we also read earlier that part of the purpose of the Bible is to rebuke us. So no, we don't avoid challenge and inconvenient truths. The truth is the basis of all we do. But on the basis of that truth, 
we're called upon to build one another up and encourage one another. We've come together as the family of God in our Father's presence to encourage one another and build one another up. And what that means is that certain things that we do that we may regard as peripheral to the main purpose of our services turn out to be at the heart of the realisation of that purpose. Think about it for a moment. News about our missionaries or um, understanding, hearing from a church member about what's going on in their lives. Those type of things are things which can encourage us, spur us to prayer and build us up. The notices. Can I urge you, never ever apologise for giving a notice in this church. Notices are really important in the family of God, in telling us what's going on, making sure we're connected, telling us of opportunities for mutual encouragement and building up and service. And what about coffee and tea? Oh, and biscuits. After the service. Um, Actually, I say after the service. I shouldn't have said that. Our services continue until the last members of the church leave to go home. Because until that point, we are the family of God together. And until that point, we should be continuing that mutual encouragement and building up of one another. And chatting over tea and coffee and biscuits is an important way of doing that. And what about after we've all gone home? Well, that mutual encouragement of building up shouldn't just end there, of course. It should go on during the week. But more fundamentally, if what we have done on Sunday has been done properly, then we should all be going home more encouraged, more built up, better equipped to go out into our everyday lives, go out into the world to love and serve God together. And that, ultimately, is the purpose of our services. That, ultimately, is why we come to church on a Sunday. Amen.